everyone, and welcome back to the Balanced Bodies Blueprint. I'm your host, Vinny Russo. And I'm Dr. Aaron Stansfield. And we're shifting gears from all conventional fitness narrative you hear on most fitness podcasts, as our main emphasis lies in preventative healthcare, adopting a holistic approach to nutrition, and challenging the traditional views on various fitness topics. Our mission with this podcast is to serve as your beacon, guiding you on a journey towards achieving optimal health. In today's podcast, we are going to discuss some common misconceptions about fats and carbs. Mm -hmm. And let's start with you, Vinny, since you are our nutritionist. Um, What do you see as far as clients with some common misconceptions about fats and carbs? Yeah. um, Well, usually when they come to me, it's mainly like they have a belief already set in stone in their head. Um, For example, carbohydrates are bad for weight loss and should be completely eliminated. When the reality of that is that not all carbs are created equal, like you have whole grains, fruits, and vegetables that will provide essential nutrients like fiber, uh, vitamins, and minerals, and um, they get the same rep as these refined processed carbs like sugary snacks, which are the ones that should be limited, not eliminated, but should be limited. Um, Another one I see is that like consuming fat is going to make them fat when really it's like you need these healthy fats to be part of a balanced diet. And one overlooked aspect of fats is how it helps um, the body absorb fat-soluble vitamins. Um, whether you overeat fats or you overeat carbs, I mean, overeating in excess is, is what's going to lead to trouble with weight loss. Um, but another quick one uh, that just kind of popped in my head is um, saturated fats too, because they get a very bad rap. Um, and excessive intake of saturated fats can lead to cardiovascular risks, but some types of saturated fat, um, like, like coconut oil, actually show positive effects. So I think it's just, they come in with an idea and they believe it. And it's very hard to, to change the mind uh, from that. Yeah. I mean, I agree. So, you know, when I got into competing, I didn't know a lot about nutrition, even though I came from the medical world. Um, and I, in general, believe that I responded better to fats than carbs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in my diet, I would increase my caloric intake would be mostly from fats and I would decrease uh, my carb intake. Um, and I think a lot of people do this, right? And it's okay, it might be okay in the short term, but is that really sustainable long-term and desirable? Uh, it might not be. And, um, you know, I think it's interesting because they have done studies where they looked at different genotypes. So single nucleotide polymorphisms in different populations to see, um, you know, which ones are associated with carb, quote unquote, carb responders versus fat responders. So they kind of have narrowed um, some commonalities between um, the SNPs, basically, in these people. Um, but what I think it's more interesting is that there was a very recent study that came out looking at weight loss differences in, um, in isocaloric high carb and high fat diets. So they took um, populations that had specific um, genotypes um, that were associated either with carb responding or fat responding, and they put them on the um, same caloric intake diets and gave them um, either carbs or fats, depending on what their genotype showed. And um, it was a randomized controlled study. So very good. Uh, the, was, the, was protein equated for? Um, I think, yeah. So I think that the protein intake was the same in both mm-hmm. groups or sense. they tried to keep it for the most the same, but, you know, obviously there are other factors that go into that, like other confounders. And I'm not sure if they actually controlled for those confounders or not, Um, but just looking at caloric intake um, and these, these individuals were obese and overweight um, and they did this for 12 weeks. 
Um, and they, they basically found um, what a lot of um, nutrition people or people in the nutrition space will tell you um, in, in most randomized control studies that if you uh, decrease your caloric intake, that um, you will have some weight loss. And really um, the more interesting part is um, the genotype. Uh, so if you're a fat responder and you're put on a fat, more of a you know calorically dense fat um, diet versus a carb diet, even though the calories were the same in both groups, um, there was no difference in weight loss. Like they, they basically, um, lost the same amount of weight, um, whether they're fat responders or carb responders. And, um, the conclusion basically is that even if you diet for your genotype, um, that there's no, as long as you decrease your caloric intake, um, you'll still get the weight loss, right? Um, it doesn't matter if you're a fat responder or a carb responder and you're crossed over and eat more fats versus carbs. Um, so I think that gets into the claim that at the end of the day, calories are king yeah. um, when it comes to weight loss. And I mean, maybe you can explain that a little bit further. Well, I mean, I like to look at it as like, if, if you're thinking about just nutrition, that there's a hierarchy. Um, and like the, the main thing is going to be, like you said, calories, like that's going to be the main foundation you're working off of. That's going to be the number one thing you want to make sure at a minimum you're controlling if you want to see progress in either direction. Um, so here's going to be like a very quick, simple breakdown of like how to lose body fat. All right. So very simplistic here. So maintain a calorie deficit. So if you do this for about 80% of the time, you will lose fat and you will lose weight. Um, so calories, 80% of the time being in a deficit, you're most likely you're going to lose weight. If you top this calorie deficit, um, with prioritizing protein, then you'll be losing weight, but more efficiently. Okay. So it's the hierarchies going calories to protein. And then, um, if you want to get into like exercise and stuff, if you add that in on top of the calorie deficit and prioritizing protein, then you're basically going to be um, burning fat and losing weight at your maximum potential. Um, when it comes to the carbs and fats, those are interchangeable is the way I like to look at them. depends on your preference. Some days you could go higher in fat. Some days you could go lower in fat. It's going to be totally up to you. Um, if you're, as long as you're maintaining your protein intake and you're maintaining, um, your calorie deficit. Now, if you are training, if you're a training athlete, or if you're in the gym, I would use the light, I would utilize carbohydrates, uh, more so than fats because there's a ton of research. Um, that supports carbohydrates having more of a benefit on performance and recovery uh, and even hypertrophy over fats. So, uh, but once again, if you're like Dr. Aaron, uh, you're going to want to have more fats than carbs in your diet plan. So it's, it's really based down, it comes down to the preference, but that's the hierarchy. It's, it's calories, protein, and then you got the fats and carbs that are interchangeable. Yeah. I mean, I definitely like peanut butter yeah. and it'd be very difficult to eliminate that from my, from my diet. I kind of wish um, you, I kind of wish you weren't eating it because you go in with the fingers and your knuckles got peanut butter on them all the time. I do not. <laughs> um, I remember, uh, you once told me about the Twinkie study. I never had actually heard about it, yeah. uh, but it's interesting that you bring study, up yeah. that, yeah, that you, um, bring up the caloric deficit, right. And this goes to the point of like, if you maintain a caloric deficit, 
um, then you will lose weight. Um, and, you know, so for those of you that don't know about the Twinkie study, um, it, it was basically um, a kind of a social experiment, but um, a nutrition professor, his name was uh, Mark Hom, uh, he demonstrated that um, this very principle of if you do decrease your calories, um, even if it comes from quote unquote Twinkies or junk food, he didn't just eat Twinkies, he ate junk food. Um, but if you control your calorie intake and stay in that deficit, you will lose weight. Um, I think from a health perspective, one of the things that was interesting is his lipid panel actually um, improved yep. uh, over the short time that he did this um, experiment with the N of one, right? Um, so this is a scientific study. It's not recommended. Yeah. Um, it wasn't published in any, um, you know, scientific journal. It was mostly um, just a, a popular, um, you know, a study that was covered by the media. But well, he did it. He did it for his students uh, as a professor, yeah. right? Yeah, he did it yeah, for his students, and he so wanted that. to prove yeah. to them yeah. that it could happen. So yeah, uh. but I think the interesting part, for, like I mentioned, from a health perspective, is he did, um, you know, um, improve his lipid panel. But a lot of that improvement was just associated with um, losing weight. So he um, was in the overweight, I think, close to obesity range almost, and he actually brought his BM, BMI down quite a bit. And, and that in itself will, will typically improve your lipid panel. Now, obviously he did this for a very short period of time. It is not recommended for health reasons. Again, you know, you, you go into like, um, how, uh, nutritious is that? How, um, you know, would his lipid panel actually stay improved? I, I doubt right. it. And, and also yeah. how sustainable that is. You, yeah. I, I think it'd be hard to eat that much junk food. I think it sheds some light on how, um, just reducing overall obesity will help your health out. Um, and I think it's like an extreme, very simplistic uh, demonstration of that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we talked about it even earlier today on our right. in our meeting. And it's just like, hey, if we could just decrease the obesity, uh, we could actually improve the health markers without so much of a focus on like, you need the Mediterranean diet or you need this, right? So I, I think that was that's important to understand um, especially for people that are concerned about their health, look at, you know, how are you in terms of your body composition? Yeah. I think we, we have the tendency, like, especially in social media, you see so much information out there. It's very confusing. Mm -hmm. Um, but if, if you are in the overweight or obese, um, and I'm talking about BMI is over 25, right. Uh, medically. And I know, um, medically speaking, and if you're talking to, you know, any athlete, they hate BMI, um, because it's not a great representation. What was my um, BMI? What was it? 30.3 or something like that? I think it was uh, 31. Oh, 31, right? Yeah. 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 I'm morbidly so obese I, right now, guys. Yeah. Just so you know. Not morbidly obese. <laughs> you are uh, technically obese, but yeah, it's not the best. Like I for, would qualify for Ozempic. <laughs> you, you, you you technically would. Um, yeah. on, on, some, on some regard, the BMI definitely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that... Um, you know, if we look at uh, risk factors, just a decrease in BMI, even though, like I said, mentioned, it's not the best measure, um, especially in somebody who does have quite a bit of muscle because muscle does weigh more um, than fat in general. So you might, um, you know, taking into account body habitus, um, you know, that will put you in a lower risk category if you just focus on weight loss. Um I obviously like to plug the resistance training, um, because for multi multitude of reasons. Um, but you know, if you're just looking at decreasing 
you know, health risk, you can look at, I just need to decrease my BMI. If you want to just keep it really simple, I just need to lose weight. Yeah. And losing weight is very, very, it's, it's very simple, but hard to do. Okay. Um, and even with that, like there's one diet, um, it, the calorie deficit will work, right. But it's whether you could sustain certain things. And now how do you sustain that? It's about finding the right diet for you, which is really based off of your preferences. It's, it has nothing really else to do with, uh, name diets, like a keto diet or a paleo diet or Atkins diet or whatever you want to call it. Um, but people look for that because they're like, oh, well, if let me try this because I can't sustain doing a normal calorie deficit. And this seems fancier because it's dressed up with bells and whistles. So I want to try keto and in the long run, I mean, it's still unsustainable, but the premise of what I'm saying is that, you know, you, you could go into it with their a foundation of knowing how to lose weight, but just because the diet works for me, um, and helps me get to a physique that I want, doesn't mean it's going to work for Dr. Aaron. Well, I, I think, you know, on that note, um, it's like, if you find a diet that works for you, then suddenly you're plagued with this diet dogma, like, you know, keto worked for me. Now you get all the keto zealots yeah. or low carb worked for me. And now you have all the low carb zealots out there. And, um, you know, we, we buy into this belief that the only way to lose weight is this particular diet. And, um, if any, out there wants to read a very good book about this. Um, I, I read it years ago. Um, it's a book called Diet Cults by Matt Fitzgerald. Um, but it talks about how um, diet dogmas, as he um, you know coins them, are, are almost like a religious cult. <laughs> um, you buy into it, you believe it. Um, and in reality, there is no single right way to lose weight. Um, just like there is no um, right diet for everyone. If it were that easy, um, we would, you know, print off a diet and, you know, it would have been on social media. It would have been published a long time ago. Um, those coaches and, who give out cookie cutter diets would not get a bad rap because they yeah, should be helping yeah. people. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's more complicated. Even our understanding of obesity is so much more complicated and we're still learning about it. Right. Um, it is not as straightforward as, as just pure effort. There's genetics to play into that, um, you know, environmental factors. There, there's a bunch of um, different um, con confounding factors that we need to um, consider when we're, when we're looking at these patients, um, you know, and even when we're studying these patients. So now that we've established that calories are very important, um, what do you think about calorie calculators? Got it. And get me started on this rabbit hole. Um, not a fan, not a fan of calorie calculators because they don't take into account your goals, your unique physiology, your diet history, um, the lab work, your body composition. It's it's literally just like a generic cookie cutter number that's based off of a few body metrics. But the problem is, is like the human body, it's not static, it's dynamic. And you see these coaches out there and they give out macro plans because they use a macro calculator and it's very easy and they charge 500 bucks a month and they just make a little tiny manipulation here and there um, throughout your journey together. And they actually call that coaching. We charge that same price, but with diet plans based off of your diet history, your preferences. Um, and we also offer you know monthly medical consults with, with you. Um, it would be much easier if I just you know gave out plugged your statistics into a calculator, pushed out the numbers and gave it to you, you know? Um, 
but then you, you also see like it's it's all over social media now like you see these tiktokers where they do lives and they're like hey give me your weight give me your height give me your age uh give me a general idea of your activity level and i'm going to spit out the calories and macros for you and that's not coaching that's manipulation um they're, they're making it seem like it's easier than it than it is uh with me i mean i'm like you need dieting history you need your current eating habits what are you doing now um not just the individual metrics because what you've been recently eating is going to be more of your maintenance so like if there's an example where um let's just say for example aaron you've been eating um let's just say 1500 calories per day right you plug your statistics into a calorie calculator and it pushes out 2200 calories so you're going to go from 15 to 22 what do you think is going to happen you're going to go into a surplus because your metabolism is acclimated to the 1500 calories and all those calories on top your body's not going to get rid of them it's not stupid it's like oh this is money i'm going to put my money in my bank and your bank is your fat stores and it's going to store it away and you're going to wonder why diets don't work for you well don't base it off of just um these calorie cal calculated numbers um, the best way to do it real quick if you want to just like try to figure out where your maintenance is and like where to go from there start tracking your food diligently for about seven to 14 days without trying to change your habits monitor your scale weight and if you're stagnant you're most likely at your maintenance so you would take the average of those calories over those seven to 14 days and that's your maintenance and then you could adjust from there and your maintenance is a sliding scale there's a range it's not just one particular number there's actually you could bracket that number uh with a certain range um and and i would say that's how you figure out where your maintenance is and if you want to gain muscle you got to go into a surplus with resistance training if you want to lose body fat you need to go into a deficit with resistance training so yeah. that's that's the way that i would take about it i mean on the surface and i will say that i've been with several coaches and you know at the time we didn't have ai um but i remember thinking um wow it's probably just a simple calculation and you know i like math and so i remember calculating my bmr and trying to figure out like how many calories i had to decrease but i still even then would um use the guidance of a coach um uh, but that being said um what do you think about ai doing all this work for you as this becomes a new space um especially in in a lot of professions even in my own profession right um what do you think about that in nutrition well i think like um i don't see ai as 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 being used as a coach um i think they can help coaches ai can help coaches like with the content with being able to explain things better to help people understand stuff even with their own education they could ask questions like hey like this person has um i don't know this person has a thyroid issue are there any diets that can help just as an example i know don't don't i don't want to get you started um but that's not actually like that's not ai replacing the coaching right because there's a very important human element when it comes to coaching with checking in um showing care uh, being able to make manipulations for the individual based off of you know data that might be a little bit different right They're, the human the client's life might change a little bit and then you as a coach need to understand those changes that happen in that life and you have to make adjustments there like i'm not sure that ai could really do that on the fly like that um i think it's going to have to collect the data and and maybe come up with the right decision i think it's going to get very advanced um but i don't think it could ever take away from the human element of of coaching 
um you know i you know me we we differ in opinion about ai <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm very i'm very very stubborn um uh, and, and so are you um yeah. but when it comes to it i you want the full potential of it to where it takes over the universe i get it i'm like no like humans will will kind of pull back a little bit hopefully before that ever happens um so we do have two different sides here um yeah. but i think when it comes to the coaching aspect of it and it taking uh, I think it'll take over those macro coaches. I think it'll take over right. um, like coaches that give out cookie cutter diets. Yeah, yeah. Because you'd get the same shit from AI if you really want it. Um, but besides that, I don't, I don't think so. So what, what do you think? I agree with you. Like um, I think that if you, it is, you know, if you look at it in a very simplistic way, it is at the end of the day, a calculation and you can you can go on to these platforms and try to figure it out for yourself. I, I mean, I did it. I, I I did that before AI even existed, mostly because I was intellectually curious and I wanted to see, you know, um, I wanted to work my way through through the equation and to figure out like what, you know, at what point, what percentage of calories I would have to cut and where I would be and what my body composition would look like at that point. And, um, you know, it was learning for me. But I think um, one, one, I don't think AI is there quite yet. Um, and two... I think if it were there, you said something to me that was very interesting. Um, you said that a lot of clients need accountability. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's true. And I see that on the medical side too, right? Um, when I tell a patient, um, you have high blood pressure or you have, um, you know, your LDL is high or um, you need to, uh, you know, rethink your diet, those sorts of recommendations usually I don't just say that one time. I usually follow up with them and see them again. And that follow-up is so important, right? Because at that point, they can tell me what they're doing, um, where, you know, if they've made progress towards their goal. And this is just talking in a clinical setting. This isn't what we do with our clients now, right? There's a lot more touch points um, um, than, than, you know, a clinical follow-up. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's that next visit that where the, the patient suddenly has to like explain, um, you know, what they are considering or what they are trying to do in order to meet, uh, certain health metrics. And, um, that's where the change happens, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know this episode is like about fats and carbs and the conundrum and the misconceptions there. Um, we kind of took a little different turn of, of direction here. <laughs> Um, but it going back just, you know, on the whole carb versus fat idea, because I mean, if we keep talking this AI stuff, it's, we're just going to keep going down. Rabbit holes. Hole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so is there, um, is there anything else that, that you want to, um, talk about with the carb and fat conundrum, like misconceptions, or are you good to go? Um, well, I have one more question and it has to do with, you know, when I was looking at carbs and fats and thinking that carbs were bad. I was very much into uh, glycemic load and glycemic index and keeping those at a certain level so that, you know, in my thought process before I was um, more educated in the nutrition space as a lay person, not, not a nutritionist, um, I thought that I could, uh, you know, if I had a low, uh, kept my carbs at a low glycemic index, that I could better uh, manipulate uh the weight loss that occurred. Mm -hmm. So can you kind of touch on that? Like is glycemic index, glycemic load, is that important? Uh, if you do have carbs and in your diet and 
Um, can you still lose weight um, if you have um, things that don't fall in the low glycemic index um, category? Um, I would say, yeah. I mean, it depends also on like your metabolic health as well. Like if you have um, any type of metabolic disease, like for example, something that deals with type two diabetes, then you have to take these things into account. Um, I know that you were telling me uh, when we first ever really started talking about diets, how you like to look at the glycemic index. Um, and I'm always under the opinion that looking at the glycemic load would be just a little bit more important than, than the GI index because it provides a more comprehensive picture of how the food is affecting those blood sugar levels. The, the glycemic index, when you look at it, it's just, it's just a numeric value that will rank a carbohydrate based on how quickly they will raise the blood sugar levels compared to a reference food which is going to be typically glucose, right? So how fast, if you take a thing of glucose, here's how long it takes for it to raise your blood sugar. Compare that to when you eat an orange and you look at, and that'll show you the glycemic index. Um, yeah. it, but it only takes into account the, the quality of the carbohydrate and not the quantity of it, right? The glycemic load on the other hand takes into consideration both the quality and the quantity of the carbohydrates in a specific serving of food. And this gives a more accurate estimate of how food will actually affect blood sugar levels. Um, so to, to, to kind of sum that up, the glycemic load, it's going to consider the actual amount of carbohydrates in a serving of food, which is important because even with low GI foods, um, they can have a significant impact on blood sugar levels if consumed in large quantities. Um, so by factoring in the quantity of the carbohydrates, the glycemic load provides more of a realistic reflection of um, the food's potential impact on blood sugar. Yeah, which is interesting. So, you know, we're getting into the space of blood sugar and, you know, now we have these um, CGM machines that mm -hmm. we can monitor our glucose with, or at least they're very popular on Amazon. And, um, you know, I see a lot of people wearing them and that's probably a different discussion for a different day. Um, yeah. But I, I think um, unless you have some kind of pathology, which you alluded to, um, it becomes less important, right? Um, because how you process um, glucose, if you have a normal, um, liver and, and you don't have a disease state such as diabetes, um, then it, these things become less important. Even monitoring your blood sugar throughout the day becomes less important. Um, so, um, I think that that's, that's a plug for, um, maybe you shouldn't be checking your blood sugar all the time if, if you're not diabetic. Um, but that's a different discussion for a different day. Yes, it is. And we could dive into the A1C and go into all that stuff. But um, let's let's wrap this up. So on behalf of Balanced Bodies, I just want to say thank you for joining us on this episode of the Balanced Bodies Blueprint. We're committed to bringing you valuable content. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please um, take a moment and leave a five-star review. Uh, all my clients or our clients should be leaving five-star reviews. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Um, you could leave a, a five-star review. You could post a comment about it. You could share it on your social media, get the, get the episode out there, spread the wealth of knowledge. Um, I also want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Legion Athletics, because they are providing you with 20% off your first order. If you use the code Russo, R-U-S-S-O, and they have science backed supplements and they provide the research for every ingredient in their product um, that you're choosing to buy. Um, and we will be doing um, a few giveaways for the month of December. Every week, we're going to be giving out Legion products. Um, if you're not part of our private Facebook group and you want resources, you want communication with us in particular, um, you want to see the community that we built, you could just reach out to me on social media or you could go to uh, facebook.com and you could 
uh, search up the Balanced Bodies Collective because that's the name of the group. Um, and we'll be more than happy to let our listeners in. Um, so if you believe in the power of knowledge and you want to help other people discover these insights, please, 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 once again, consider sharing this episode with everybody. Um, and as you navigate your own path towards better health, just remember that Balanced Bodies is going to be forever in your corner. So we will see you all next Thursday. The podcast content may include discussions of medical topics and health-related information. However, the information provided should not be considered exhaustive or complete, and it should not be relied upon as a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment.